Good day to you, and welcome to the NPFCC Messages podcast. We're glad to have you back. Or if you're listening for the first time, thank you for checking us out. This week's podcast is a message from our series through the book of 1 Timothy. Throughout this series, we're going to examine just how critical the message of the gospel is for the church. And while this may seem obvious to some, the truth is it's easy to get distracted by the noise and the trends of this world and forget what's most important. So these messages aim to draw us towards keeping the gospel first in our lives and in the church. So be blessed as you listen to this word. You know, today we're wrapping up our series through the book of 1 Timothy. And I really do think it's an appropriate way to wrap this up, especially on a Thanksgiving weekend, because we're talking about all the incredible ways that God blesses us. And we, what we've been saying around here, we have been blessed to be a? Yeah, we've been blessed to be a blessing to others. This, this, quite honestly, this has been a challenging book. There's been a lot. I mean, we started this 10 weeks ago, and we dove through, and we've covered a lot of challenging things. Um, this book was written to people who are a lot like you and me, Christians who are trying to figure out how we live in a place and live out our faith in a place where the dominant culture is, is not helpful is often hostile towards living as a follower of Jesus. And you might remember when we began the book, we talked about how the Apostle Paul sent his young protege, Timothy, who the book was written to, uh, to the church in Ephesus. Paul sent him there because some false teaching had creeped in to the church. What, what had really happened is, is the, the people around Ephesus had allowed this, the philosophies of the world, the cultural ideas and things like that to infiltrate into the message of the gospel. And things were getting mixed up. And because of that, they had a gospel that had been tainted by culture. And, and we see so much of that happening today. Uh, Paul sent him there because about 10 years prior, um, Paul had started this church, and the church was struggling with these false teachers and with lots of things that were happening in the life of this church. And this, in this letter, Paul gives Timothy some foundational truths to ensure that the church remains anchored and shaped by the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. As Paul closes the letter, he addresses, again, people like you and me, Christians who find themselves being materially blessed. How many of you know you're blessed? Yeah. And, and because of that, he wanted to make sure that their affluence did not sidetrack their faith, which is easy to have happen. So Paul gives these wealthy Christians some instructions. And so what we've been doing, I'm going to read the, the last few verses of, of the book together. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we read 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 21. Um, this is God's word. This, this, wasn't, this isn't my words. This is his word. So we definitely want to make sure we respect it. So let's, let's read this together. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Then he goes on, he says, Timothy, 
Guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in doing so have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. Let me pray again. Lord, thanks for your word. Father, teach us how to be people who, uh, who are rich in good deeds, who are rich in love, who are rich in mercy, and who share that liberally with others. We thank you, Father, and praise this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So one last time. Who's rich? Yeah, we are, right? We are rich, and we've been talking about that. And this is not a bad thing, right? Again, I want to reiterate a couple of things. Number one is this. It is not a bad thing. We should not feel guilty about it right? Instead of feeling guilty, we should feel grateful. And that gratefulness should move our hearts to live lives in such a way that we learn how to be rich and do it well, right? Because if God has given it to us, we need to learn how to use it for his kingdom purposes, right? What we've been saying is this, people who are good at being rich are the ones who are willing to admit that they are rich, that's us, right? And become intentional about what they do with what, ha, what God has blessed them with. That word intentional is really, really important. We need to be intentional about the way we live our lives. We need to be intentional. I mean, think about it. If you're not intentional about the way you raise your kids, what happens? Nothing good, right? I mean, we have to be intentional when it comes to our money, right? If we're not intentional about what happens, what happens to the money? Yeah, it just kind of somehow disappears, right? We've got to be intentional about it. And that's the, big, that's the big point here is we recognize that we're rich and then we're intentional. We say, yes, we recognize that God's given it to us. I, I don't need to feel guilty or bad about it. I just need to be grateful and learn how to live my life in such a way that says, I'm intentionally taking what God has given to me and I am going to work with him, partner with God for the purposes of his kingdom. I mean, do you realize that? What God has given you, he has given you so that you can join in with him in the purposes of his kingdom in the world. Not so that you can just live a comfortable existence until it's over. Because the whole idea is that we don't want to just safely arrive at death. Right? We want to make investments for what is to come after. The problem is there's a lot of voices out there that are trying to tell people how to get rich. And we've, we've talked about this several times. Um, very, there's lots of voices out there telling you how to get rich. I mean, like Devin said, there's, there's all these things that come at you. Uh, Black Friday, right? I didn't realize that, um, that Black Friday could actually happen on Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, right? I, I, it must be an internet thing. I, I don't know. So I started getting all the, you know, so like you could start buying Black Friday stuff last Monday. And I was trying to figure all that out. The, the days of the week somehow got all messed up in this. So, but the reality is, is that there's all kinds of people. And, and then not only that, but then I, I get, I get email after email after email. And I, I keep trying to figure out where these things come from. You know, invest in this, put your money here, do this. Everybody's after it, right? And everybody's trying to tell you how to, what to do with your money and how to get rich. And, and the problem is everyone's telling you how to get rich, but very few voices out there are telling you how to be, how to live as people who are 
rich. So if you missed out on the last couple of weeks, I encourage you to go back to our website and check out some of those messages because we talk a little bit more about that whole concept and we're going to kind of close, wrap this up today. Last week I shared with you that my hope for every one of you when it comes to finances is this. There's two things, that you will have a plan so you can live on purpose, right? So you have a plan. Um, let's just, for some of you, that, that's called a budget, right, that you actually make and you actually live by. It's a plan so that you can live on purpose, right? Because if you don't plan, you won't live on purpose. If you don't plan, you'll just randomly spend, and like I said, it'll just kind of disappear, and you won't know where, you'll be like, where did it all go, right? Some of you, that's, that's kind of how things work in your life, right? You're like, well, I thought I put money in there, and then it just disappears, right? right? If there's no plan, you can't live on purpose. The other one is, that we want you to learn to live with margin, right? A gap between what you owe, right? Or what you have to pay and what you bring in. So we want you to live on margin so that you can live on mission. We want you to live with some margin, with some space in there so that when God comes and wants to involve you in what he's doing, you can say yes. You can say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that. So you want to plan for that. Last week we even talked about like putting some money away so you can say, hey, I want to jump in where God says jump in. I want to do the things that God wants me and is inviting me in to doing. And one of the things we have to get over in our mind is this. God's not like pointing you to go just like, like you got to go do this. He's inviting you in. Right? He's inviting you in. He's going, hey, I got a life for you that you can't imagine. I'm inviting you in to participate in the greatest search and rescue mission the world has ever known. To help lost people come to find Jesus. I'm inviting you in to a place where you get to be the dispensers of the blessings of God because when God blesses us, we're supposed to be a what? Blessing to other people. And God's going, I'm inviting you in. Come on in. But so often, because we are so messed up without a plan and without a purpose, and because we have no margin, we don't get to join him. And so we sit there going like, we're just like, well, what do I do? And God doesn't want you to experience that. He wants to ex- you to experience joy when it comes to this area of your life. Not, not anxiety, not worry, not stress, not fear when it comes to finances. God wants you to experience joy and gratefulness. How would you like some of that? Amen? Yeah. So this morning we want to focus on 1 Timothy 6.19 where where Paul is telling us the benefits of living a life this way. And he tells us in verse 19, he says, in this way, which refers back to verse 17 and 18 where he says, hey, make sure that you are rich in good deeds, that you're generous, you're willing to share, right? And when you live that way, when you live under God's direction when it comes to your, your finances, your resources, your time, your talents, your treasures, when you live in God's economy that way, he says this will happen. In this way, you, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So there's three main benefits I want to just talk about really quick this morning. The first is this. The first benefit is you'll lay up treasure. Can I ask you something? What, what does the good life look like to you? What, what, what does it mean to, to live the good life? For most of us, it means having enough, 
right? E- enough to remove stress, anxiety about money, enough time to get everything done, and good enough health to enjoy it all, right? Before what? Before it's all over? Like, like wh- I mean, what, 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 is, what is it really all about? I mean, what does the good life really mean to you? I, I would contend that for most of us, that we focus, we are hyper-focused on this life right in front of us right now, right? And our enjoyment in the here and the now. And, and again, God, it's not that God doesn't want you to enjoy. He already said he gives us everything for our enjoyment. What does that mean, right? I thought he gave it to us to pay the bills. But he says he gave it to us for our enjoyment, Why? Because he wants more for you than that. He wants you to not just pay the bills. He wants you to be able to enjoy being part of his plan, part of his mission, part of what he's up to in the world. He's inviting you into that. And and so he wants to give you those things and he wants to benefit you in those ways. But but for most of us, when we think of like, what, what makes life good? We think, oh, it means I have enough, enough. But Jesus has a totally different investment strategy. Now, he's not against treasure. Jesus is not against investment. He just wants to make sure that we invest in the right place. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount in in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Where moth and vermin, I don't know what vermin are. I think they're like rats and rodents, right? Like vermin, right? They will come eat your stuff, right? Where they destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where the moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, The Bible is pretty specific about the reality that we brought nothing into this world and you can take nothing out with you. Like we said a couple weeks ago, you've never seen a Hearst hauling a U-Haul truck, right? Or a U-Haul trailer. You're not taking anything with you. But evidently, according to these passages here, it says this, you can make deposits in heaven before you get there. I don't know if you've thought about that before, but right? He says, you, you can make deposits. He says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, but store up the treasures in heaven. So while we're here, we're storing up treasures in heaven. In Matthew 19, 21, Jesus, it says, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, he's talking to the rich young ruler. He says, sow your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure where? In heaven. Then come follow me. So it seems to me that there's two kinds of investments here. There's two kinds of investments you can make. You can make earthly or temporary investments, right? Because eventually those get destroyed. Or there's heavenly or eternal investments. Those are the two kinds of investments that Jesus is talking about here. You either make them here on earth and they're only temporary, or you have heavenly investments which are eternal. The question is this. What does your portfolio look like? Is it all earthly and temporary investment? Or are you diversified, right? 
Do you make sure? I mean, God's not saying, hey, you don't have to, you know, don't pay the bills and don't do these things. And don't. He, he's saying, yes, I've given you this stuff in the here and now to use it now and for your enjoyment and to join me in my plan and to do all these things. So it's not bad, but he's saying, hey, but have you diversified to the point where you are making healthy investments in heavenly treasure, in eternity? I mean, what's your investment strategy for all of this? I heard this story about a man who got shipwrecked on a deserted island. And the natives of the island, they, they captured him. And he, he was being carried away. And he thought, oh, man, what are they going to do to me? Well, the crazy part is they, um, they carried him to the village. And they put him on a throne. And they put a crown on his head. And they started bringing him all this stuff. And he's like, oh, man, this is, this is pretty amazing. Like, what, what's happening here? Like, these guys are treating me like the king. And, and, and he could have had anything he wanted, and so life was good, right? But after a little bit of time, he learned this, that every year they would capture one person, they would make him king, and then, which sounded great, but then he learned that at the end of the year, they would banish that person to a deserted island where all the former kings had been sent, and they starved and died there. So thinking quickly, he ordered all the villagers to go over to the deserted island, to plant trees, to build a shelter, and to dig a well so that when he got banished, there would be things for him so that he could live. Folks, we need to be smart about how we invest in our eternal future. Now, I don't, I don't know about you guys in the room. How, how many of you have ever made a bad investment? Have you ever made a bad investment? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes that happens, right? I mean, maybe, maybe it's a vehicle that you buy and you were sure that that was the vehicle you wanted and, and then, right, you know, and then it, it broke down and then you had to put all this extra money in it, right? I, I had one of those. So, you know, you got to put all this money in it to keep it going again and everything else like that. And you're like, oh man, that was a bad, that was a bad investment. Maybe, maybe it was a bad stock investment, you know, somebody that told you about this deal and you're like, oh yeah, and then that went south. Maybe it was a real estate investment or maybe it was a business investment. Every once in a while we make bad investments. But here's the thing. At the moment that you made the investment, you didn't think it was bad or you never would have made it, right? You, you thought the investment was good. All you could see was the benefit in the here and now, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to make this, and then here's my, I got this benefit. God's word is simply trying to keep us from making bad investments. God is like this incredible insider, right, who is basically saying, hey, that is going to go bad. Like that investment over there, that's going to go south on you, right? He's just telling God's, I mean, this is what's great is that God's given us all this stuff and then he becomes like the ultimate financial advisor. The problem is, is many of us aren't taking his advice. I mean, he wants to make sure that, that we don't mess this thing up. And he wants, us, he wants us to not just make investments in the earthly and the temporal, however shiny and nice they might be, because they won't last. Folks, when we put the kingdom first, when we make deposits into our eternal treasure account, it will be well protected, which is the second benefit. The first is you'll lay up treasure. The second is, is that it's a firm foundation. It says in this way, you'll lay up treasure for themselves 
as a firm foundation. Now, um, our heavenly investments are secure. They always pay the best return, right, for eternity. And, and, and I mean, if, if you knew, I mean, that, that's the big thing, right, when you're making investments, man, you want to make sure that baby is secure. Well, think about, like, what in the world, what, what in our world is actually secure? I mean, at the end of the day, it's all going to burn, right? And so, what, like, what are the things that are actually secure, well, the heavenly investments are, are incredibly secure. In fact, in Luke chapter 12, verse 32 to 34, it says, don't be afraid. And I love that he says, little flock. <laughs> so we're like the little flock. He says, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. I mean, that, that says a lot about our standing, right? He's been pleased to give you, if you're a child of God, he has given you, you are a heir with Jesus, you, you are royalty, you have been adopted in the family, and he's basically said, hey, the kingdom is yours, right? You get invited in. He says he's, he's been pleased to give you the kingdom. So what's he say about that? Like, he gave you the kingdom, then he says, so sell your possessions and give to the poor. What, what, why? Because there's more where that came from. And then he says, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. That, that's, that's a throwback to an Old Testament passage where it says, hey, if you, um, if you follow other gods, he says, you're going to walk around with purses with holes in them. And every time you start thinking that you're you know, putting stuff in, it's just falling out, right? He says, man, you, you're, you're going to be thinking that you're doing all this stuff and you're making headway, but it's just going to fall straight through the bottom. And, and so he says, look, he says um, th- that you won't have these purses with holes in them. And he says... Um, he says, a treasure, uh, but then he goes on and he says here, um, you won't, you'll provide purses for yourselves that won't wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, that will never fail. Then he goes in and he says, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, growing up uh, around construction sites, um, I, I grew to understand the importance of making sure the foundation was, was right. Yeah, um, I, I tell the story all the time. I was doing a room addition in my house. Man, my dad was in the like trenches with me, and he made absolutely sure we measured that thing. I don't know how many hundreds of times to make sure it was totally square, right? And and I kept saying like, it's good enough, it's good enough, right? I was like, I just wanted to get cement on the ground. And my dad kept saying, No, this has to be right. This has to be right. This has to be right. And I was like, and he says, You're gonna thank me when it comes time to put up the drywall right? He's thinking long game, right? I'm thinking, no, I want to get done. And so he's thinking like, hey, you got to get this foundation thing right. And that's what God's saying. He's like, hey, this is foundational stuff, especially for those of us who God has blessed. We want to make sure that we get this foundation of giving right. So, you know, the, the, the foundation, it dictates the size, the shape, and the sturdiness of a building, as I was thinking about this, because it talks about how we're building this firm foundation when we're making these investments in heaven in the future. And I started to think about that. I said, man, what, what then if, what then if how we use our resources in this life, how we're rich in good deeds, how we're generous, how we're willing to share, what if they determined, what if they actually determined the, the actual foundation of your heavenly dwelling place? Would you be living in a mansion or a shack up there? Now, I, I, 
I don't want you to take that illustration too far, right? But what kind of investment are you making? Because here's the reality, folks. You will live a whole lot longer in eternity than you're going to live here. But we're like investing here like we think we're going to live here forever, and we're investing in heaven as if we're not even sure. What kind of investments are so make sure you make regular heavenly deposits. Okay, on to the third benefit. The third benefit is that not only will you lay up treasure and have a firm foundation, but the third one is this. The third one says that you will take hold of life that is truly life truly life. When, when I read that verse, that we will lay up this, we'll have this firm foundation and we will take hold of the life that is truly life. We're going to take hold of real life. I mean, wh- what does that mean? When, when I think about this, I, I, I think about the fact that it must mean that there is a life out there that's not truly life. H- how, how many of you from time to time chase that one? Right? The word here for truly actually is better translated with the word real, okay, as opposed to fake. I think there's a lot of us chasing a fake way of living. The culture has taught taught us to buy into this fake form of habit, like you'll be happy if you do this, you'll be happy if you have this, you'll be happy when, you'll be happy when, why? Because what you have isn't enough, so you need more, so you can be happier, right? And we get caught into this idea that in order to have real life, you have to have more stuff to make you happier. So many of us are running around chasing this life that, that's not real at all, it's, it's a fake life, it's a pseudo life, it's, it's satisf- trying to just satisfy these desires. We see everyone else out there with their perfectly filtered social media post-worthy life and we think, oh, we're missing out. So you gotta go get more. One of my favorite illustrations about this is um, when our, our youngest daughter, Hannah, we, we were driving on vacation one year and we, we stopped in Las Vegas, okay? I'm not a fan. I know some of you like to go to Vegas or whatever. Be careful there. What happens there doesn't really stay there. Um, so, we, so we were on our way, I think, to Colorado. We're driving through Las Vegas, and, and somebody had told us, they said, oh, you got to stop at the Aladdin Hotel. It's really cool. They got this marketplace. It's all this cool stuff. And we, we're, walking, we're walking down this huge hallway, and, and it was really cool because it, it, look, it actually looked like you were outside, even though you weren't. And it was like there was this cool sky painted on the ceiling and all this stuff. And we're walking down, and I remember holding Hannah's hand, and, and there's this really cool-looking tree. And we go over, and we tap it. And, and she looks at me kind of funny, like, hmm, something's up with this tree. And I go, yeah, that's fake. She's like, oh, okay, that's fake, right? And then we go over, and there's this little place with, with like, these rocks. And we go over, and we're touching the rocks, and we're like, hmm, those are hollow, right? And she's looking at me, and I'm like, yeah, those are fake, right? And so then, uh, you know, we're walking around, and there's all these other things around, and I'm like, look, everything's fake. That, that Eiffel Tower, it's fake, that Statue of Liberty over there, that's fake. Everything around here is pretty much fake. And then she said she's got to go to the bathroom. So we go to the bathroom, and she looks at the toilet, and she points at it. Is that real? We're about to test it out, right? But it's like everything around is like totally fake. 
I mean, and, and what's amazing was when I stopped and think about it, I thought, isn't, isn't that what happens? I mean, I know it's a stereotype, but like, that's, that's Vegas. People are fleeing there to escape real life, right? The whole thing is about like, it's this fake, it's a pseudo, it's this thing, this life that we think that we want. I mean, they, they, they have a fake everything. They even will sell you fake relationships and they market a reality that simply is not real, and I was going to show you some pictures, you know, to show you the fake things that they have, but um, I, I figured I would show you. This is what actually ended up happening to the Aladdin Hotel. Yeah. Why? This stuff doesn't last. Soon as the shiny wears off, they just blow it up and build another one, right? Bigger, shinier, whatever, right? To make us more happy. And that's the crazy part. I, I, I know, again, we get caught up chasing after life that the world tries to sell us, a life that's not really life, and certainly far from the life that God has for us to experience. Folks, your Heavenly Father has available for you the most amazing life that you can possibly imagine. It's even better than the life that you can imagine. It's a life, I'm telling you, it is a life of passion and adventure. It is a life that is fulfilling. It is a life filled with joy and peace. Don't confuse it with easy, but it is a life that is complete. It is full. It is real. Ultimately, he has an eternal life in store for you. And to be sure, every one of us will live forever. The question is, where? Where are you laying the foundation for your eternity. For many of us, God is holding out real life, but we think we know better than God when it comes to the stuff of this world. And we end up settling for so much less. How many of you have that gnawing feeling that sometimes you're just settling for way less than God has intended for you? Do you feel that? Do you feel like, gosh, there's got to be more? Like, I'm sure that God's got more intended. He does. But you've got to pay attention and listen to him if you're going to take hold of the life that's really life. You're going to have to say no to the way that you want to do it and yes to the way he wants you to do it. God wants you to experience freedom, especially in this area of, like, finances and resources. But we keep enslaving ourselves to stuff and the debt and we like we said we get more storage units did you know i i just did you know that you can get a refrigerated storage unit it's like we don't have we don't have air conditioning in our house i was thinking people's stuff is living more comfortably than i am <laughs> like what is up with that right you can just like yeah it's crazy right but we keep enslaving ourselves and then making room for more of our stuff God wants us to experience this real joy, joy that comes from understanding that God has your best interest in mind and that he'll provide you with everything that you need if you trust him. But we often are on this pursuit of immediate happiness that causes us to chase after more stuff that will fill this void that we have in our life because we don't fully trust God. And instead of freedom, joy, and peace, we get enslaved by anxiety and fear and enslaved. To the stuff of this world. 
But Jesus, he comes back and Jesus, listen to the words of Jesus again in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. He says this, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, a, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field? They do not spin, labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, or tomorrow's thrown in the fire, then will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things. And yet your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you as well. The way that you get rid of worry is not to fill your closet. It's not to fill your refrigerator. It's not to keep storing up in your, your bank accounts or investment portfolios. The way to real life is seeking God's kingdom first. Not as a secondary plan, not as a, like, give him the leftovers. No, it's seeking God's kingdom first. When we seek his kingdom first, then it will all be added to us as well. And where do you find this real life? How do you seek the kingdom first? Well, first you've got to start with the king. Seek the king. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The priority of the kingdom is not reflected, um, I'm sorry, if the priority of the kingdom is not reflected in your calendar, your bank account, your relationships, if Jesus is just an add-on, if we're just asking Jesus to come along and bless our plans and things like that, if Jesus is not the Lord of all, then honestly, he's not Lord at all. And you won't have real life. The Bible tells us the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. You know, in the garden, the serpent tempted Eve by telling her, that God was holding back, right? He says, hey, did God really say that? Like, no, there's something there that God doesn't want you to have. God's holding back on you. And so what did he do? He put something in front of her that she didn't have. In other words, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, the devil led Eve to become the first consumer he holds out something in front of her that she doesn't have and says, don't you want this? And God's holding back on you, so you gotta take this for yourself. He convinced her that she needed more. That she, what she had wasn't enough. Consumerism is the sin of not trusting God. Consumerism is a sin of not enough. So let's be careful this Christmas season not to fall into the trap or perpetuate this with our children that all we need is more stuff. I mean, they, they don't need more stuff. They need more Jesus. They don't, they don't need 
more toys. They need more adventure at the foot of Jesus. They need more joy and peace that only he can bring. Jesus told us it's more blessed to give than receive. In God's economy, it's greater to give than to get. So let's teach our kids that. But the devil has tempted us to accumulate, right? The devil said, oh, no, 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 no. God can't be right. You need more. And Jesus is going, no, you need to give it all away, right? You, you need to, like, give, 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 and he'll keep providing. And, and the devil's all, no, no, you got to hold on to that. What if you actually gain more when you give away? You see, that, my friends, is the way of Jesus. That you gain more when you give away. Folks, there's no way to discover true life than by, other than following Jesus. And he wants you to have a full life now and real life forever. If you want to learn how to do this, after the first of the year, we're going to have Financial Peace University. I, I, I just encourage you, if you're like, man, I need to get a grip on this, then sign up for that. It's going to be a great way to teach you how to do that. Because, you know, as I was thinking about storing up treasure in heaven, I had to start wondering to myself, like, well, what, what kind of treasure do I need in heaven? I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really think I'm going to need anything in heaven. I don't, I don't think there's going to be any banks in heaven that I'm aware of. I certainly know there won't be Amazon in heaven. I mean, we joke about things like jewels in our crown, big mansions, and streets of gold, right? That these are our views of what heaven is. I mean, think about that. But the reality is, is that we won't need any of that stuff in heaven. You, you, you won't need it. So what is the most valuable thing in heaven? Like, if you're making investments in heaven, what, what is it really? What, what are you investing in? What, what is it that is going to be in heaven that's going to be such a great investment? Folks, I, I, I think it is souls. The most valuable thing in heaven are the people that will be there. The souls are the people that have come to find forgiveness, salvation, real life, and eternal life in Jesus. That is the greatest value in heaven. Folks, the only thing that really matters in eternity is who is there. And the fact that we will be with God forever, leave the rest of the details to him because it's better than what you can imagine that it is. And God has blessed us with resources so that we can help other people find and follow Jesus. That is it. That is our mission. God has blessed you and blessed me and invited us in to say, join me in this effort to get as many souls to heaven as possible because that is what's of greatest value. That is what God wants the most. And again, he could have done this without us, but he's inviting you in. Why? Because there's great joy when the lost are found. And he wants you to experience that and he invites you into this. And I can only imagine what it will be like when we get there. I mean, the valuable things of this life, we'll be walking on them. <laughs> it, I mean, 
Can you imagine? What will it be like? And when you get there, when you get there, how are you going to check in on, on the treasure that you've stored up? What is that going to look like? How are you going to know? I, I think it might look something like this. I think that maybe all of a sudden when you get to heaven, maybe all of a sudden somebody's going to run up to you. And they're just going to look at you. And you're going to look at them and they're going to go, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And you're going to kind of look at them like, do, like, how do I know you? And, and this person's going to say, you know, I, I lived in El Porvo near Mexico. And, and my family did not have much. But one day a friend told me that I could come get a Christmas bag. And so I stood in line and I, I got a Christmas bag and I listened and heard for the first time the story of Jesus. And that small investment that you made in a Christmas bag, that's why I'm here. Or maybe for another one of you, someone might run up and say, oh, thank you. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here. Maybe you don't remember me, but but I was the kid in your children's church class. I was the kid in your lift class on Wednesday night. I was the wild kid. I was the one that I know I didn't make your life easy. And you might have wondered all these years if all that effort was ever worth it. Well, I'm here because you invested your time. Or maybe it'll be that there will be a small group that comes up to you in heaven. And you're looking at this group and then all of a sudden out of the middle of a group, a, a Cambodian man steps forward. And he simply looks at, a, at you and he says, thank you. Thank you. You don't know me, but in my former life, I was an assassin in a rebel army. You wouldn't have even wanted to have known me back then. But after the war, I struggled with my sin until one day a man came to me and he told me the story of Jesus, how he could forgive my sins. You probably didn't know it, but every time you gave to the ministry of Newberry Park First Christian Church, some of those funds, they went to help make sure that that missionary founded a church where I could hear about Jesus. And then I became a pastor and I told all of these people about Jesus and we're all here because you invested in the kingdom. Folks, I, I could go on for hours and I'm sure that in the economy of eternity we'll have lots of time to tell the stories. But what will the stories be because of your investment in the kingdom of God. Folks, God didn't bless us with all these resources so that we could just accumulate stuff, so that we could put it in little garages and so we could numb our mind with entertainment, so we could sip on $6 lattes. He blessed us so that we could join him in the work of the kingdom of God to help people find and follow Jesus and to take hold 
of eternal life. The question this morning is, are you in? Are you in for that kind of investment, that kind of life, that kind of adventure, that amazing journey that partners with God to see the kingdom come here on earth just like it is in heaven? Folks, what kind of investments are you making? I want to encourage you, think seriously as we enter a new year, as you make decisions about how life is going to be, would you put the kingdom first even in this area of our resources, our finances, our time? Would you first fill your calendar with the things that have kingdom impact? Would you give to the things that make sure that the gospel gets proclaimed to the rest of the world? Because folks, those are the things that last. There's two kinds of investments. The earthly stuff, it won't last. The heavenly stuff, it'll last forever. Where are you making your investment? You know, God so loved the world, it says that he gave. God invested everything he had. His son. God gave it all so that you could have eternity. And that's why we celebrate this every week, the sacrifice that Jesus has made. If you've got your communion, you might want to pull that out. We celebrate this every week to remind us that the reason that we have hope, the reason that we have eternity is because God made an investment on your behalf. God sent his one and only son to pay the price for my sin, for your sin, so that it could be forgiven and we could live forever. And so I want to encourage you, as you take communion today, would you spend some time and just thank him for making that investment on your behalf? And as you do, would you commit to partnering with him, to investing in others, and give, because you've been blessed to be a blessing, amen? So let's take this piece of bread that represents Jesus' broken body. Let's take that together. And then there's the cup that represents Jesus' shed blood that forgives our sins. Let's take that together. And let's thank him. Our Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, so much. Thank thank you that you would love us enough that you would make that incredible investment of, of sending Jesus to die on a cross in our place so that we could take hold of the life that's truly life. Father, I pray that, Lord God, your Holy Spirit would give us each the perspective to understand that all that we have, Father, is not just ours to to use for ourselves, but, Father, it's been given to us as a blessing so that, Lord God, we can help as many people as possible come to find true life in Jesus. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us eternity. We love you and praise you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the NPFCC Messages podcast. If you'd like to support the work of our church, head to npfcc.org give to make a one-time or reoccurring gift. For more information about us, you can always check out our website at npfcc.org. Again, that's npfcc.org.